Thank you, Doris. Appreciate the message through the song. And uh, God is good. All the time? Good. All right. Um, I'm wondering if Alan Wasserman is here this morning. Alan, um, you're in trouble. Alan's my neighbor. So uh, Alan is our second reading today in our membership transfers. And uh, good to have you here. Good to be part of our family and his wife, Palmita. Could you just stand for a minute? I'm just going to embarrass you a little bit. Just, you know, good to have you here. Welcome. Welcome to the family. We're honored that you would wouldn't want to be here, especially being my neighbor and all, you know, so, um, you know, so uh, thank you so much. Good to have you as part of our family. And uh, now I'm really accountable. All right. (laughs) If you want to know what's going on, talk to him and uh, Palmita as well, Alan and Palmita. Uh, But uh, it's great being your neighbors and uh, um, just honored that you would be here. And I love, uh, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but, and, uh, and my son's going to get a little gift today for this, but uh, he, he saw the membership transfer card come in. And I, said, I was pulling up in the driveway, and I said, I said isn't it great that uh, Palmita and Alan are going to transfer into our, our church? And he says, yeah, it's cool that they're coming to us for transformation. You know? <laughs> I said, you know, isn't that what the church is about, that we're all transforming together by the grace of God? And I just love when the Spirit talks through our kids. You know, the big picture on things. So uh, good to have you here, and we're, we're honored. And if I see you falling asleep during my sermon, I'll be knocking at your door. All right, just, <laughs> just kidding, sort of. Um, today's message is uh, kind of a crazy message, if you will. We're starting a new series on the minor prophets called Majoring in the Minors. And so we have 12 books at the end of the Old Testament that are referred to as the minor prophets, uh, only because of the size of the book. You know, when you talk about Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and so forth, you have, you have these large books in the Old Testament, and they're considered the major prophets. And so these last 12 are considered the minor prophets just because, you know, some of them are a chapter long, some like today up to 14 chapters long or so, and you have these long uh, and short books, and so you have the minor prophets. So not least in importance, but just talking about the size of the book. But today, the book of Hosea is uh, quite, we could say, intriguing, if you will, in the story that, that God writes through Hosea's life to the people of Israel and to the church today. And I just want to preface a little bit before I get into the message that today's message I hope you find encouraging, uh, but I also know that today's story, because it is a story of love and a story of relationships, between a husband and a wife, it may also be painful for some of us for things that we've been through or experienced or could be experiencing at the time as well. But through it all, I hope that you'll find the encouragement of God's love. Love makes us do crazy things, doesn't it? Some of us who have been in love, you know, early on or or still in love, I hope, um, found ourselves doing some crazy things. And, you know, sometimes your friends or your family may have looked at you when you were in in love and you had this glaze over your eyes and they just kind of thought, oh, he's lost it, you know. He's lost all ability to to reason logically and, and, and just lost his mind maybe. Makes us do crazy, crazy things. Things that seem just flat out illogical or maybe... You know, you've heard the saying, you can't teach some people common sense. And 
Love seems to make us sometimes lose our common sense, if you will. When I was counseling teenagers, and you know, they would, they would come to you and say, I think I found the one. You know, and you're like, really? And she's 13, you know? And you're like, so tell me about him. You know? And well, oh, I think he's the one, though. I think I'm going to marry him. And I said, well, and I'd share a statistic. I'm not sure what it is now, but back then, it was that the average person would fall in love an average of five times before they found Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Five times. So I'd ask the individual, so what number is this for you? It's one. It's first. But it's love at first sight. Okay, well, that happens sometimes. I, I know of stories like that. I found it interesting as I was looking at the story of Hosea and thinking about our world today. There was an article in Time Magazine back in 2009 about a website that encouraged and facilitated, and still exists today to my knowledge, facilitates extramarital affairs. It says, log on and you have immediate access to thousands of men and women willing to kick their vows to the curb for no-strings-attached sexual interests. By the way, parents, I'm sorry for some of the language today. You're going to have some conversations maybe today uh, after church. I'll try to keep it, you know, but the Bible is the Bible. So should you want to use the site to have an affair, the designers behind the site have worked hard so that no one will ever know about your misdeeds. For example, this is back in 2009. They just released cell phone versions so you won't leave a trail of virtual evidence behind on your home or work computers. So far, the site has been a through-the-roof success, according to Time magazine. In June of 2009, just one month, 679,000 men and women used the site uh, in this way. And since 2008, site membership has doubled to 4 million people. It seems its largest traffic just after Father's Day when men feel uh, the least appreciated and Valentine's Day when women feel the most unappreciated. According to the personal profiles of those who use the site, 92% of the males and 60% of the females are in fact married. The CEO of the site, I'll leave his name unmentioned, shrugs off any criticism saying, we're just a platform. No website or 30-second ad is going to convince anyone to cheat. People cheat because their lives aren't working for them. He went on to insist humans aren't meant to be monogamous. But when asked how he would respond if his own wife were to use the site, he said, I would be devastated. Martin Luther said, it is the highest grace of God when love continues to flourish in married life. The first love is ardent, is an intoxicating love so that we are blinded and are drawn to marriage. After we've slept off our intoxication, sincere love remains in the married life of the godly. So enter Hosea. Hosea, a man who was asked by God to do something nobody else that I know of has ever been asked to do. And we pick up the story in chapter 1 of Hosea. And it says that the Lord began to speak through Hosea in verse 2. And the Lord said to him, Go take yourself an adulterous wife. Go take yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in the departing from the Lord. Now here's Isaiah. 8th century B.C., he's prophesying to Israel, the northern kingdom, who has lost their love for God. 
They have given their love to false gods and worshiping false gods and trusting in other powers besides God. And he is trying to convince Israel to come back to the one who loves them. In the New Revised Standard Version, which is closest to the Hebrew, it reads like this. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Now, did any of you pick up the key word in that verse? Any chance? I know it's tricky. But you get the feeling of what's going on here with Israel and their relationship with God. So God tells him to marry an adulterous wife. I imagine Hosea, you know, I've seen couples before where I imagine Hosea was like, okay, she's an adulterous wife, but, but my love's going to change her. You know, I'm, I, once I get her and she experiences my love, she's going to change. She's, she's not going to want to do this anymore. And he goes into this relationship. And they've been married now, and I imagine one day, while she's off, he happens to be home that morning, and, and he hears this vibrating sound, and he finds it there on the table that Gomer has left her cell phone behind. And he looks to pick it up and, and realizes it's a text message, but it's from a man who's obviously in a relationship with her. He's devastated, thinking that maybe, maybe there was hope, and now hope is being shattered. And then he goes on the computer that day, and as he's going on, he starts checking her emails and finds an email of this long thread of conversations between her and and other men. His world begins to spin. It seems so surreal that this could actually be happening, even though God said this is the type of woman that she was. But then Gomer gets pregnant. She gets pregnant, and and I have to imagine once again that Hosea is feeling hopeful, that maybe now that we're having a baby, she'll really give her time and her love to me and to this family that we're creating. You know, I've had in the past, sometimes couples come to you and and they're having problems, but they decide that that if they have a child, it's going to fix it all. You know, if, if we have a child, then that'll get us focused on something, and, and we're going to, this will pull us together. And I go, no, 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 no. Let's, let's fix what's broken before we bring more people into this relationship. And so he's lying awake at night with full of hope that, yes, she's pregnant. This is going to make it all better. Well, the story goes on, and they have not one child, but they end up having three children, a boy and then a girl and then another boy. And they go through the joys of naming them, except God tells them to name them certain names. The first one, Jezreel. Jezreel. Well, that doesn't bring up good memories if, if you're from Israel. Times of bloodshed and judgment and all kinds of horrible scenes there in the valley of Jezreel. It would be like if you were Jewish and you called your son Auschwitz. Imagine calling your son out. And every time you mention his name, everybody's like, oh, that's horrible. And they have another, another child, another child, and they name her No Mercy. And then finally, one more son, 
not my people. Because God's people were not living in his mercy. We're not trusting in his love, not wanting to be his people. And then to make things worse, she finally gets honest with you for a minute and she tells you, I'm sorry, but none of these children are yours. Talk about making a wound even worse. But yet Hosea knew, Hosea knew as God called him that It was not going to be a good relationship. Hosea knew ahead of time his wife would be unfaithful, but he continued to move forward. Well, then God tells him to do another crazy thing. You see, in chapter 3, God says at the beginning, verse 1, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, which they used in worship of other gods, so, Hosea says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a half of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. She's your wife, and you're having to buy her back. Now, let's not isolate this scene. There she is being auctioned off as a slave. And it's not just you and the person selling her and just her. All the people in your neighborhood are there. All the people who know you and know Gomer and know everything that's going on because she has a reputation. And you start to bid. I'll give two Two, three, three. Imagine the people around going, is he crazy? Has he lost his mind? She doesn't love him. And he continues to bid. He continues to put out the money to buy her back. He's lost his mind. His love just will not quit. How foolish. He has no common sense. And he buys her back. You see, this book, Hosea, has at the very heart of its message that word that I love so much in Scripture. But. When you read the book of Hosea, you'll read the first three chapters, and in that you'll have this story of Hosea and Gomer. And then as you read on in chapter 4 and and on, you will read much of the dialogue and the symbolism of God and his people and how God is so upset because of what they're doing and not loving him and wanting to be in covenant relationship with them. But then you come along to chapter 11, specifically verses 8 and 9, and God says these words, and, and I'm using the message translation. God says, but how can I give you up? Ephraim, which is another word for Israel. But how can I give up on you? How can I turn you loose, Israel? How can I leave you to be ruined like Adma, devastated like luckless Zeboim, which are two towns that were destroyed when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed? I can't bear to even think such thoughts. My insides churn in protest, and so I'm not going to act on my anger. I'm not going to destroy Ephraim. And why, God says? 
because I am God and not a human. I am the Holy One, and I'm here in your very midst. The New Living Translation says, Oh, oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? It's hopeless. It's impossible. I can't do it because I'm God and not a man. My love is beyond human love. This is good news. This is the good news that God loves us no matter what. No matter what. No matter how unfaithful we have been to him, no matter how much we go out on him, he says, I cannot give you up ever. A love that will not quit. In their book, The Sacred Romance, Brent Curtis and John Eldred write it out this way. Have you ever had to literally turn a lover over to a mortal enemy to allow her to find out for herself what his intentions toward her really were? Have you ever had to lie in bed knowing she was believing his lies and being intimate with him every night? Have you ever sat helplessly by while your enemy abused your lover, unable to win her heart enough so she would trust you to rescue her? Have you ever called this one you had loved so long and asked her if she was ready to come back to you, only to have her say her heart was still captured by your enemy? Have you ever watched your lover's beauty slowly diminish and fade into a haze of alcohol, drugs, occult practices, and infant sacrifice until she's no longer recognizable in body and soul? Have you ever loved one so much that you even send your only son to talk with her about your love for her, knowing that she will kill him? All this and more God has endured because of his refusal to stop loving us. A love that will not quit. A love that will not quit on you. A love that will not quit on me. A love that will not quit on us. God's love is a love that just cannot stop loving. He can't help himself. We might even say he's out of control. A God who leaves heaven. Angels praising you and glorifying you nonstop. A creator who takes on the form of his very creation. A timeless, omnipresent God who limits himself to space and time. A God who is equal in power and might and majesty to the others in the Godhead, and yet he submits himself to the others in the Godhead. A God who is the source of all life force on earth and beyond allows himself to be killed. Not only killed, but crucified and considered cursed by God. Is he out of his mind? Isn't that what many said of Jesus when he was here on earth? He must be out of his mind. But his love was, is, and always will be the one and only love that will not quit. God's love seems illogical to us. Sometimes talking with others, we can try to talk about it sometimes. You ever been there? You're, trying to, you're just trying to wrap your mind around God's love, and, and you, don't, you can't even find the right words for it. Because so much of the love we've experienced in this world is so conditional. It's so based on our performance. It's so based on who we are or who we aren't or what people are saying about us or what they're not saying about us. I love the story that's told about a preacher who, in his notes, he would write 
the inflections of his voice. He would not only just put the things he wanted to remember to say, but he would put, now right here, talk softly. In this part, preach powerfully. And one time in his notes, he put, point weak, talk fast. <laughs> Sometimes when we're trying to describe the love of God, it's like, how do I describe it? I don't know. How, it's so illogical, especially to people who are maybe not wanting to know about the love of God. And so you're trying to share with them, and, and, and you can't put into words the profound love, the love that seems to lack common sense to the rest of the world. Now, this is the point where you may or may confirm that your pastor's losing it. Let me read to you as I wrestled with this this week. I, I, just, I wrote this down and I, and I mold over it. But just see if you can follow my, my illogical logical thinking, I think. For God is love, and love itself, himself, cannot stop being itself, himself. His love will always be love, therefore God will always be God, and you and I will always be loved. Did that make sense? Sort of. Let me read that again. For God is love, and love itself, which is himself, cannot stop being itself or himself. Therefore, love will always be love. Therefore, God will always be God, and you and I will always be loved. Period. There isn't anything you can do, good or bad, that can make God stop loving you. There isn't anything people can say about you, whether you believe it or not, that will make God stop loving you. Doesn't matter who you are or who you're not, it doesn't matter how much you love yourself or don't love yourself, God's love will never quit on you. His love never fails. God doesn't love us because of who we are, but because of who he is. These words might sound familiar from Psalms 136. Thank God he deserves your thanks. His love never quits. Thank the God of all gods. His love never quits. Thank the Lord of all lords. His love never quits. Thank the miracle-working God. His love never quits. The God whose skill formed the cosmos. His love never quits. God is set in his ways, thank goodness. He is unchangeable in his love. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, which means his love is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There is only one thing we can count on in this life, and it is the love of God. Paul's prayer for us, for the church, was that he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We talk about behavior a lot in the church, you know, over the decades, over the centuries, over the millennia. And sometimes the church can just look like a moral agent, if you will, trying to make people good. And transformation is obviously very important 
But someone once said, if we're going to let God's love change us, we have to accept it first. Once we accept God's love, the change brought about by love happens in our life. But we have to accept it first. I don't care how old we are this morning. In my experience, one of the greatest challenges in life is to fully, finally accept that God loves you no matter what. I've talked to people in the first decade of life, and I've talked to people in the hundred, and it still comes down to, do you think God really loves me? But pastor, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and I've done that. I'm like, you think God doesn't know that? You think he didn't know that when he went to the cross? You think he didn't know that when he left heaven? He loves you no matter what. He can't stop loving you. Hosea goes on in the end chapters of 13 and 14. Oh, Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. He's calling us by name. He's calling us to him. He's calling us to the cross of his love to him. He says, I will heal, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will betroth you to me forever, God says. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice In love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And this earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are, in fact, my people. And they will say, You are my God. God will gather his people. Claim them once again and show them mercy. The names of the children will be changed to my people. They'll be changed to mercy. No matter how dark the day, God promises us hope. There's an old story told of Abraham Lincoln. I love this story. He went down to the slave block to buy a slave girl. And as the bidding began, he began to bid, and he ended up winning the bid. And the slave girl came and was walking by his side, and he said, young lady, you are free. She said, what does that mean? It means you're free, he said. Does that mean, she said, that I can say whatever I want to say? Lincoln said, yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean, she said, that I can be whatever I want to be? Yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? Yes, he said, you can go wherever you want to go. The girl, with streams of tears running down her face, said, then I will go with you. I will go with you. I will go with a love that loves me no matter what. The same love, the same love that would not quit, that was calling out to Gomer, the same love that would not quit, 
that was calling out to Israel is the same love, the same love that has never quit and will never quit and will continue to call out to us today no matter what. Thank God that his love for us cannot and will never quit.